Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ, Thieferber Falls, and we're available, yes, beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org. That's the place you can get hooked up and listen to us live and in the moment, or if you stumble upon us halfway through or whatever it may be, or you missed us because you had summertime commitments, you know, we understand, we understand. That's why you can check out RadioNorthland.org to listen to past episodes too, so it works both ways and we're also available live for you uh, cell phone users your smartphone users uh, you can just download the app for free from tune in oh thank you for tuning in Glenn Broggett uh, with you once again and now I'm happy to say after a few weeks out on assignment uh, yes uh, he goes out on assignment every once in a while uh, he exhausts the wrestling memories then and now budget for these uh, these uh, little assignments he goes on but we're glad that, that he's back after three weeks, it's so nice to have him deep in the heart of Texas, right there in the mobile. St- Are you in the mobile studio? Uh, anyway, welcome uh, the grizzled vet Mike McCurdy to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am in the mobile studio today. And uh, yeah, that, that Wrestling Memories budget, that allows me to never go anywhere. So, But you're right, on assignment, you know, I've, I got some good guests booked, lined up for us over the next few weeks. So. Once again, I think our listeners are going to enjoy what we got coming up. And once again, Glenn, I'm always glad to be here. I listened to the Harley Race tribute we did just a little bit ago. George loves George Shire. The man could probably just go for like two hours on his own. I don't even think you would just say, here's George and let him go. Well, yeah, I think I heard you maybe five minutes. Oh, absolutely. That's what's uh, great about George. It's a day off. You know, uh, I went in, I, I, I painted the walls in the studio while I had my headphones on. I, uh, you know, did some life-saving surgery and I got back just in time to, uh, you know, basically call and, and call the game at the end here at, at the end of the program. No, but in all serious, uh, all seriousness, uh, George has, uh, did a great job. And George is just so well-versed in, in his knowledge that has come from firsthand uh, viewing. I mean, that's what is really kind of cool with our little program here because you know we do our thing from a week-to-week basis but we also have george who is an og on the program come in every once in a while to give us a, a little bit of a master class there you go and I'll, I'll throw this out there right now if any of our listeners if you want to go to you know spotify wherever you get your podcast go find the offshoots network go find a show called the third man james beard it's his podcast he did an interview with george shire probably about yeah, maybe three or four months ago it's an hour and a half of absolute history gold. Oh my Listening God. to James and George talk for 90 minutes is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's it's so cool that he still has ties with, with the program here as well. I mean, he's done that. He did a really cool Harley tribute on the 605 podcast with uh, Brian Last, the great Brian Last. So he, George stays around the circuit, but he always remembers us here. He always remembers he's got his seat, at, you know, whenever you go on assignment or one of these weeks, we're going to get all three of us together, uh, you know, here at Wrestling Memories then and now. And uh, yeah, it, it's always cool that uh, it's like we have George on retainer. You know, I'm still trying to fill George's shoes on this show. I think I do okay, but, uh, you know, nothing beats George Shire, man. That that guy, I can't, I'm nowhere close to where George is. Well, well, we definitely could sit under his learning tree, uh, but we've got work to do. We've got weeks ahead of good tapings, good uh, guests coming up. I've got a few uh, irons in the fire that I'm working on as well. So we're definitely going to keep it sturdy and steady around here as we move into the uh, the autumn of 2019. And it will be nice because, uh, you know, in the month of uh, September, I do have to take some time off uh, to go to a festival. You're going on assignment. Yeah, I'm going on assignment. I don't know. Or if vacation, gonna... actually. Well, that's an even better way to put it. I, I'm going to Louisville for a music festival, but I don't think I'm going to be making it to Castle Cornet. 
Oh, well, maybe we can get Cornette to come to you. Well, that would be an interesting play. I don't think he'd want to come up here this time, especially as it gets a little bit cooler at this time of year. Well, you know, we've been jibbing and jabbering, kind of catching up here, uh, yentering about on this edition of Wrestling Memories then and now. But, the, you know, we got to get in because we do have a guest. This isn't just going to be the, the Glenn and Grizz show here this hour. We, uh, You have went out again. This is part of the uh, on-assignment uh, uh, stuff that you've been working on as far as getting some guests. And this is going to be one I'm going to sit back and enjoy and learn about uh, uh, this wrestler, our guest today. I'm definitely, I love when I'm able to just kind of soak in uh, whatever my co-host brings to the plate. So you have definitely done done your work, cut your work cut out for you this week. Uh, I'm going to let you handle the introduction. You you got the plate, man. You got the ball. Let's, let's start dribbling. All right. All right. Well, thank you, sir. One great thing about living in Texas, though, is I have such a wealth of talent that I can pick and choose to bring on, to do an indie spotlight on. But you know what, this guy, this guy's a little bit, little bit, little bit more different on this one. If any of our listeners, if you're a member of our Wrestling Memories Then and Now group page, you know this man's name. You might get tired of all the posts you've seen, but you know who this man is because he very well documents his travels on the road through our Wrestling Memories Then and Now group page available on Facebook. You know the man's name. He is a lover of Bucky's. We have found this out. He is well-versed in wrestling knowledge. Been in the ring for many, many years. And you know what? Someone tells me he's the number one Joey Ryan fan, too. Get Man loves town. Joey Ryan is what I've heard. I can't wait. All right, well, he's already, starting, he's already starting to talk here. So, folks, you know the name. This is our guest tonight. And tonight, I'm proud to welcome Dexter Hardaway to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Dexter, welcome hey, to the show. How's it going, guys? How you doing? We're doing good, yeah. man. Thank you for joining us, man. I know you're a and busy guy. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to whoever may be listening and wherever you're at. Hopefully we don't put you to sleep. There we go. <laughs> well, no, man, I think you're going to be an exciting guest. I think our, our listeners are going to enjoy hearing from you. So, but, you know, and you know like I'll I said, say this real quick. If okay. you're not tired of me posting, then that means I'm not doing something right. So as long as people are complaining and uh, – and griping about me posting too much, I must be doing something right, so I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> there, you, there you go, man. Hey, in the days of social media, it's called promotion. Social media has opened up a whole new world in professional wrestling, so I applaud you on your efforts, man. I see the posts every day, you know, but we're going we're gonna to roll it back a little bit here, get our listeners okay. kind of a background on, on Dexter Hardaway and his career. Let's go back to, you know, what do you remember, what got you interested in wrestling? What did you see, you know, growing up that made you decide, this is what you wanted to do? Ooh, um, man, that's an easy one. It was the, the, the hard hitting of everything. It wasn't necessarily the glitz and glamour, man. I was always a football fan. I was always a baseball fan, you know, just sports really in general. And uh, one of the things that caught my eye, man, it was like big, gruff, tough individuals just beating each other up. And uh, which in turn... Uh, you know, gave me and the neighbor kids something to do and something to learn. And, man, I would say probably from the age of about eight or nine, we just, you know, me and some lifelong friends just kind of got together and studied, um, you know, and became, as you said, students of the game. And uh, and that was the fun part, man, because we just thought we knew what we were doing. Um, and little did we know, um, 
and, and so I would say that was it. You know, most people will, will say one certain wrestler or or maybe a certain moment, but for me, man, it was just seeing those guys, guys like Dick Murdoch, and I mean, you know, the list can go on. Al Perez, I was a big fan of his. Um, you know, just seeing those guys get in the ring, man, smash mouth, hitting hard. That that's what turned me on to pro wrestling. Now, growing up, you know, what, what territories and what wrestling did you get to? You know, I'm sure outside of WWF, because I think we all grew up watching some of that, but what were some of the territories that you got to see, you know, growing up? My took me to my first Mid-South wrestling, uh, Bill Watts, uh, probably in 1987. And, and that was my first wrestling memories being um, at the fairgrounds here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And... And that, that, you know, the smoky arenas and, you know, the cussing and everyone going crazy just over the good guys or the bad guys. Man, it was just, it just drew me in. I, I can't say it was one specific moment. It was just, you know, once I saw it, it just, it just went from there, man. Now, you know, you're watching, as I said, you're interested, you're into the, the hard hitting, the you know, and there's definitely, you're talking Texas, talking Oklahoma, lots of hard hitting style, you know, the Sportatorium, Mid-South. So much fun stuff to watch, though. And to be honest, uh, with you, know, and to be honest with you, I, di- I didn't really. Ca- you 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 asked me what, what what other territories besides WWF I caught on. Really, I was a mid south guy. I didn't discover, you know, Texas or world class or you know Houston or any of that stuff. Probably probably to like the early nineties, man. On the early onset of tape trading. And believe me, if you were ever, if you go back that far and you were a tape trader, it was a frustrating time because it took weeks, sometimes months to, to see all that and, and to get all that stuff in the mail. So it was really Mid-South for probably the first, you know, from probably like 1987, you know, they transitioned to UWF and, and all that stuff. And it's probably from then, I didn't, we didn't discuss, me and my neighbor Mario, man, we didn't discuss, we didn't discover uh, WWF until probably like 1991. By the time they were just getting into doing superstars and wrestling challenge and, you know, and pushing all that out there. Now, see, that's kind of interesting because, you know, you're, you're a Mid-South guy, but by 87 or so, that's like, you know, the height, you know, Hulkamania right there. I mean, so to not be influenced or have not discovered the WWF by that point in time. And, and, and that's the thing, man. Um, uh, you know, when we were kids, <laughs> it's a lot like we is now. We weren't stuck in front of the TV like we, you know, some of the kids are nowadays. We were outside. We were playing. We were, you know, in, into a flag football, you know, a t-ball, you know, stuff like that, man. So, you know, when we discovered wrestling, it, it was very new to us for a long time. And, and, it, you know, it, we just kind of eventually we started going to video stores and written videotapes. And, and I think it was actually, um, man, it may have been like a SummerSlam video or something like that, maybe 89 or something that we had rented. And then we went back and started discovering, you know, what else, you know, ha- had happened before that. Um, it probably wasn't until like 1990 time frame, I, I guess until around WrestleMania 7, when we discovered that Hogan <laughs> had uh, slammed Andre so, and all that madness. So we just kind of played catch up from there. So what was it like by that point in time? You know, you're finding, you know, the SummerSlam videotape and all that. You're getting to go back now and see stuff you've never seen before. You know, what was that like and what kind of window did that open up for you? Oh, man. Um, man, you know, obviously the WWF was uh, all glitz and glamour, um, Hollywood, um, 
whereas you had the the the, the rugged territories like mid south um, Houston was a great territory when we got caught up with that um, we one of the things that we actually did when we uh, got into tape trading real good is we went back and we wanted to see some early like NWA stuff before it became WCW Saturday night and like you know, 1991 or something like that. Um, it, we wanted to go back and see some of that stuff. And again, being a tape trader from back then and like the very early nineties, that was just, that was just beginning to catch on like a, you know, some type of a cult following. And so, you know, it took a while, man. There were sometimes months and months uh, that we would wait uh, for RF video you know, to get us, you know, a half a dozen videotapes or whatever. But we, we saved our money. We did yard work. We did all that stuff so we, so we could, man. We, like I said, we fell in love with it. And once we did, you know, that's when we wanted to learn more about it. So over the years, we slowly did. Now, that's one thing for our, maybe some of our younger listeners. Uh, we're talking tape trading and all that. This is well before, you know, the days of the Internet. So even tape trading, you got addresses out of the back of the wrestling magazines. And there were the newsletters yep. in the mail that people would advertise in. That's how you found your address. You didn't go online to, you know, www.wrestlingvideos.com or whatever it is and order online. You had to, you know, mail the person, wait for them to respond back to you or send you yep. or send you the catalog. I remember a catalog that was probably like 200 pages. Of just yeah, and see, when Rob Feinstein came along and, and did all that, Rob made it a lot easier. Because, you know, now, unfortunately, sometimes you'd get third and fourth generations of tapes and the quality wouldn't be there. But, you know, nonetheless, um, you know, and, and I'll, I, let me go back a little bit. Um, my grandfather actually used to have a bunch of boxing magazines. And that's how we really discovered pro wrestling magazines, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Inside Wrestling, you know, but a bunch of those others. There's a bunch of them, then, you know, after mags, as they call them. Um, mm -hmm. and, and through the boxing magazines is where we found out that that same company then, um, which, you know, all these years later, I figured out after works for them as well. Um, you know, they all, that's how we discovered wrestling magazines was through boxing. Um, my grandfather was very, you know, he was a sports guy too, but he wasn't too into pro wrestling, man. Um, you know, unless he could invest in it, does that make sense? Um, and, unless he oh, could, uh, you know, really, uh, get into what he was watching. Um, you know, he, he, as I hate to use the word fake, but, um, he would definitely call a lot of shit out and, and, you know, and, and perhaps change the channel or, you know, go, go do whatever or read. But, you know, it, it, thankfully it was through him. And then many, many years later, once I got into the business a few years before he died, um, you know, he understood it a little bit better, and I think he appreciated it a little bit better. And, you know, I, I owe it all to my grandfather and my mother for even getting me into wrestling because if they hadn't paid for my training and wrestling school, you know, who knows what would have happened. Or if they hadn't have supported me like they did. Now, speaking of wrestling magazines real quick, you know, you and I, we're, we're kind of the same generation and all that. So I found the wrestling magazines walking into a, uh, it was a local liquor store. And, you know, you could go in there and get soda, candy, stuff like that. And I found an Inside Wrestling magazine on the newsstand. It was like 1988, Roddy Piper on the cover. I knew who he was from the WWF. But I opened it up, and I'm flipping through, and I'm looking at this going, what's the AWA? Who, who are the, who's, the, you know, who's Kevin Von Erich? Who's this guy? Yep. Because yep. I only saw WWF. 
you would you would see those videotapes and 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 we you know again we got our WWF fix that was never an issue but we you know I can relate you know we we wonder well who are these guys let's look into them and then you read about them in magazines and you see and then eventually you know all those guys make their way to WWF and it's like well well, well I want to know more about them before they came here. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at a very young age, man, it, I became a student of the game and, uh, you know, I, I refer to my neighbor, man, uh, we, we grew up together and, and we were fans and he actually went through training. It was me and him left, um, out of like seven or eight people at the time. And, uh, he didn't stick with it. Unfortunately, he, uh, you know, went the family route and, and has a good gig going with his job right now. But, um, you know, we both still have the same passion for it. We still, you know, when when we get together and watch pay-per-views, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's something I don't think will ever go away. But, you know, I, I, I really believe, man, that that a lot of that stuff that we used to do is, is people are doing it now. They're just putting different twists on it, man. Rob Van Dam always likes to say that, that he, a lot of the stuff that the young kids are doing now, they stole from him. Well, it's true. Um, I just think the kids now do it a little bit better. They're a little bit more athletic. <laughs> I digress. Go ahead. Let, let's let's keep it <laughs> along the uh, the magazines, man. I'm telling you, you know me, Michael. I could talk all night long. We could be here for three or four hours. So, <laughs> well, you know what? It sounds like we might have three or four more interviews to do with you, then, man. <laughs> I, I love we love the stories here. So, oh, yeah. You know, but one quick thing though before we do we move on here and talking about we were talking about tape trading. One tape that I'm sure you know very well from the magazine and everything else was the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Lords of the Ring and yep. Superstars and Superbouts. Yep. I think it was like two hours hosted by Bill Apter, and it was just match clips from the NWA. You know, but you could buy that tape. I think it was like 40 bucks. But <laughs> yep. I know that was the first tape I ever got. I, um, you know, um, I honest, I'd be lying if I said I could remember the first tape we ever like purchased. Um, but I can tell you, um, the first magazine subscription we actually like got was Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Then we got the WWF, you know, subscription. Um, and and really, man, once um, we we really got into ECW when ECW came around and and transitioned with the whole Shane Douglas, you know, saying screw this. Um, you know, all that stuff, we really got turned on to that, man. And, you know, unfortunately, ECW is kind of the path that we have taken or because of ECW, that's kind of the path the business has taken now. So but we, we were really into that stuff, that and Japanese stuff, hardcore stuff, death matches. There you, <clears throat> there you go. You definitely sound like you're into the hard hitting type of style and the Latin death matches and the Japanese hardcore definitely fits that category. But let's let's skip forward a little bit. You know, you got the tape trading. You know, you're watching all this stuff from all these different areas. Discovered WWF. When did you decide you wanted to start training? You wanted to get into professional wrestling, and how did you get your start training? And what was it like, kind of breaking in at that time? Let's see. You put me on spot. I'm testing the memory um, today. Uh, yeah, uh, man. I would say uh, a lot of the kids we played football with on the same team. They were also wrestling fans. Um, you know, uh, we were all young. So w- w- once we kind of, uh, ac- accumulated, um, in junior high, um, you know, it was just nothing but wrestling talk, man. We'd do our schoolwork and everything like that. And then we'd, we'd get it done and we'd, we'd trade magazines throughout the class. You know, the guys, would, you know, would slip them back and forth and this guy would bring this magazine and that forth. Um, 
And man, I, I don't know, man. It was somewhere around that time in junior high, man. Between sports and you know, multi, multiple sports at that time, being basketball and football, uh, man. I was just, I just wanted to do something, you know, other than that at some point. And, and I didn't really have a desire to, you know, go to college or anything like that, um, or play any sports past high school. Um, so honestly, man, uh, you know, school became boring to me. Um, you know, and, and between family priorities that were going on at that time as a young kid, um, you know, I kind of had to step up uh, in, in a few situations there. And I eventually dropped out of school um, when I was uh, 16 and a half. And, uh, and during that time, um, I started training to be a wrestler. Um, I since went back um, when I was, uh, I think I was 19 or 20, I went back and uh, got my GD and everything like that. Um, uh, but uh, so in 1996, uh, in March of 1996 is when I started training. Um, and I was probably, uh, probably about three months worth of training. Uh, I trained in Tulsa, Oklahoma with a company called WWE. Ah, pause. WWE, World Wrestling Empire. They should have trademarked it. I'm telling you. They should have trademarked it back then, but hindsight. Um, I started training with uh, a group of, uh, of them, um, and uh, about three months into that, probably the summer of, of 1996, I, uh, I had my first match against, um, God, I can't even remember who it was. Um, he was green just like I was, probably his you know, first, second, or third match. Um, so we, uh, you know, we did that, and man, it, it, was, it was fun, uh, but it was more of a case back then of learning trial, trial by fire um, or trial and error. Um, a lot of the times you were just thrown out there to, to see what you could do. And you either sink or you swim in that situation. You know, um, you know, at some point the nerves have to go and you have to step up and either, you know, perform or, you know, poop the bed. Um, I, I'm watching my language. Um, and, and that time breaking in compared to now, it was a lot it's a lot harder to get in because honestly at 16 before I tried paid before we paid to uh, do the wrestling training, I tried out to be an announcer. Um, I have, I've always had this big mouth. I've always liked to talk. I've always liked to articulate things, take notes. Um, you know, I had a little touch of ADD. I probably still do. Um, so I, I tried out to be an announcer and, and I epic fail. You know, I was just too young. You know, maybe if I'd have been in my thirties or something like that, a little bit more grown up. Um, I may have got the gig. Um, I think I pretty positive in saying that, but I was just too young. Um, so, uh, it was probably about a month later when we started training, didn't get the announcer's gig, but I became a pretty decent pro wrestler. I think. Now talking about how it was easier to get in a different time. How did you find out about world wrestling empire and the training school? Because in the eighties you had to know people and nowadays you just have to, Google wrestling school and there's probably one right across the street, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I can remember exactly. Um, we, me and the neighbors saw Scandor at bar. Um, and I think Sam Houston may have been on that show and we're like, Oh, okay. Well, we know these guys. Um, so, you know, they must be legit. Well, you know, just like every other indie indie promotion, they come and they go. Um, and, and this was, these guys were in business for probably a good five, six years. Um, and, and they had local TV. So for, and then <laughs> once we discovered where they were at here, 
we started getting mom and, and, and dad and everybody like that to, to give us a ride to the shows. Um, and, you know, the circumstance that actually got me after, after I failed to get the job as the announcer for the television show, um, two weeks later, um, we went to one of their live shows and we, one of the wrestlers used to come out and point at everybody and say, shut up and sit down. And he would always say, shut up with emphasis on shut up. And so we decided to make like two or three signs to take to the show and heckle him. Well, he tore the first sign up and we got pissed. So grabbed another one and held it up. Um, and he came and yanked that thing away. Well, grabbed the third sign, and by the time I grabbed the third sign, he came back over. I was not going to let him rip that sucker up, and I pushed him. And when I pushed him, unbeknownst to me, he wanted to kill me. Um, you know, and, I, and probably about four years later, I, I like heard the story. Yeah, man, if I hadn't been 16, I'd been an adult. I'd have probably been decked immediately. Um, but... <laughs> After that, man, that, that, that just solidified the fact that I wanted to train. So who did you train with at that time? Who was your um, I trained um, with a couple of guys from a tag team called Generation X, um, Ian St. James and Zane Morris. They're actually former NWA Southwest Tag Team Champions. Got a little Texas history there. Um, after that, I received a little bit of uh, training on the side um, with uh, Tretch Phillips Jr., um, who is also related to Sputnik Monroe and, and Tiger Tretch Phillips Sr., those are some old, old names. You know, after that, uh, man, you know, going a little bit further in time, I, got, I kind of got with people at the time um, and, 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 and listened. Back, you know, back then, um, it, it was, you had to really work to get on guys' good sides, you know, and to maybe to be accepted. Um, but once you did, man, it was like an open book. Um, ask them anything, you know, and, and, and they would answer and help the best way possible. Um, from Viscera to, I'll throw Gary Hart's name. I've sat there and I, I don't know him personally like a, like a lot of people that I do know. Um, but, uh, you know, the times that I spent around Gary Hart was definitely an education. Um, Scandal Rat Bar is another one, man. So, you know, back then, you, you learned more by listening than you actually did in the ring. Now, <laughs> I don't know. I can't say. I haven't figured that part out. <laughs> so, you know, you just mentioned, I mean, two, especially here in Texas, you know, two of the greatest managers of all time, Skandor Akbar and Gary Hart. I met yeah. Gary Hart 2006 at a Cauliflower Alley Club when that Heroes of World Class movie got released. He was there to yeah. help the director promote it and all that. But even then, I got to stand there. In fact, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I go up to the director, he's got his table set up, and I said, hey, I want to buy a copy of the movie. And he goes, okay, well, great, why don't you come back around 2 o'clock? He said, you know, Gary Hart's going to be here, and he'll be signing them. I thought, cool, awesome, no problem. So I go walking around, I'm looking around the room and all that, and I'm there with my buddy, uh, Joe Souza, who you know, you've met him. And uh, yeah. we're there, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, Joe, I said, I just found out. I said, Gary Hart's going to be here about 2 o'clock, he's going to be signing. And Joe goes, oh, you mean... That guy's standing right there, and he points over my shoulder. And I turn around, and I'm face-to-face -face with Gary Hart. Now, this is obviously, yeah. you know, he's aged since then. He's out of the ring. But it's freaking Gary Hart. I was just, for at that point in time, for just a few minutes, you know, 30-something years old, I was, like, starstruck. I was just like, wow. 
because that man at that point in time, great mind for the business. Obviously, if you read his book, absolutely amazing. But what uh, you know, was what? it like? You to know, read his you book from? that would require like four hundred dollars, and I don't have four hundred dollars to buy a book. Um, I don't know what's in there. I don't know what the secret recipe that's in there is, but um, that book has. I'm a collector, and that book has climbed in value over the years. Yeah, it's like four or five hundred bucks for a copy of it. Wow. Crazy. Worth it. I mean, I, I have a hardcover of it. It's back in California in storage, oh, wow. unfortunately. But, you know, you're sitting there and you get to learn from Gary Hart a little bit. What were some of the things about Gary Hart that, you know, getting to work with him for a little bit that you kind of picked up that you've been able to very, use in your career? He's very soft-spoken. He knew how to speak to people without raising his voice. He knew how to get his point across. Um, he was very business um, when he was around the business, he was, you know, it, it was all wrestling. Um, you know, um, unfortunately, I didn't get to hang out with him outside of, uh, you know, personally too much. But, you know, again, I've, I've heard stories. I know people that, that have been there, done that, and, you know, have worked with him on a continuous basis over the years. But that's one thing I picked up from him is, is you know, he, you can handle business without yelling, screaming. Um, you know, and, and he, he was, he, bro, he... he he used to run a locker room, and, and I'm telling you, it's, it's what can I do for you? Yes, sir, no, sir. That's the kind of respect he commanded. And I thought that was pretty cool. You don't see a guy a lot of that. Well, you know, you read his book, and you find out he also kind of like hung with them, uh, you know, Chicago mobsters and, and yep. shit like that. So, oh, pardon my language. I'm, I'm doing the language now, too, Glenn. I apologize. Just gotta make just gotta make my job a little more difficult. I'm over here. I'm awake, my friend. You guys, but for the most, my nickname used to be Hard Times. So if I don't give somebody a hard time again, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> it's there all it's all good, guys. Keep on going. I'm loving this. Now, when you started training, you know, you got in the ring. What were some of the first things that you know you kind of remember? Because you take that first. I've been in training with guys before. I don't train. I tried it when I was younger, and it hurts which is why I host radio shows. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that first bump, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit your head on the, the mat. You're going to yeah. land on your ass. You know, what do you remember about that first few times in the ring, you know, when you're taking the bumps, you know, and you're knocking the wind out of yourself and you're probably going home battered and bruised, you know, how are you feeling at that point? Bro, I, I can relate then, back then, how I felt to how I felt about a year and a half ago maybe when I decided I wanted to start wrestling again. I mean, it was the same thing, bro. You'd hit, hit, you'd be hitting those ropes over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you'd have bruises on your tailbone, you know, on, on your butt cheeks. Um, you had bruises on your upper back. Um, you weren't used to it. Um, you know, those bumps, yeah, um, when I started bumping again, uh, probably, uh, it was probably a good six months before I ever decided I, I, I was good to go and I wanted to wrestle again, man, because it was... I had to kind of get through that soreness without like just going out there and doing it, um, you know, and getting through it that way, that would have hurt really bad. So I spent th this last time around, uh, I spent probably the, the, the last part of 2016 and then early 2017, just running ropes, taking bumps, you know, front rolls, stuff like that. And, you know, and nowadays you see kids that don't tuck their heads when that happens and, you know, they're hitting their head on the mat and then it's just, you know, they'll learn when they, you know, put 20 years in or 15 years in that, um, you know, they should have protected themselves a little bit better. 
Um, and that's one of the first things that I was taught to protect myself. I don't think guys, good trainers do that, obviously, but every fly-by-night promoter or person that opens up a wrestling school and thinks they can teach someone, man, they don't teach safety like they used to. So, you know, you, 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 sometimes you cringe. Um, so it's definitely the bumps, man, and, and, and the bruises that come along with it. And leading to why would you stick around and continue to do something like that? Because it's fun. At the end of the day, it's all about having fun. There you go. You gotta love what you're doing too. Uh, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag in uh, Glenn here for a little bit because I know he's got a few questions because you had a chance also to train with a man that we just recently lost, and I'm sure Glenn might have a couple questions about that. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll come on in. I'll tag in here for a couple of shots uh, here on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now with our guest Dexter Hardaway. I uh, guess it was just uh, you know as we're recording. Uh, only, only about a few weeks ago that we, uh, the wrestling world, uh, said goodbye to Handsome Harley Race. And uh, we had a tribute episode here on Wrestling Memories Then and Now with George Shire that talked a lot about Harley's wrestling career. We, we dipped only a little bit into uh, Harley's uh, post-in-ring career and, and just kind of mentioned as a footnote some of the, the training that he did of the wrestlers uh, after he uh, retired from active ring competition. You had the good fortune of uh, sitting under his learning tree as well could you talk about how that you made that happen and what was your first impression of, of, of harley race seeing him up close and in living color after you know reading about or maybe even seeing some of the stuff uh, throughout the tape trading through the years i mean this was a bona fide legend and also a bona fide character harley was just harley from what i've heard from yep. people tell over the years let's talk about your harley stories um man i i got to go up there in 2001 in the fall of 2001 um, I followed a gentleman by the name of Bull Schmidt, um, who, again, has some Texas ties there, too. Might might know who he is. Um, and uh, thanks to Bull, I got to go up there and train. And, and I really got to, to be around him, not, not, not just necessarily in, in, in the wrestling environment or training, um, but, you know, got to go, uh, go to, to the houseboat. Um, I, I didn't get to go on the boat, man. The only time that that fall that it was good weather um, before it got bad. Um, I didn't get a chance to like go on the lake with him. Um, but him and BJ, um, those two are just the most sincere people you could ever, you know, be around, you know, like, like a lot of people refer to them as mom and dad. Um, they were more like grandparents to me while I was there and while I was visiting and training. Um, and the first time I met Harley, man, and he, of course he knows it. He, he, he knows where he stands among people. Um, and I was scared to death, um, shaking as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, he just calms you down real quick and gives you a nice greeting and basically said, welcome, you know? Um, and, and the thing with Harley at that time, man, he didn't get in the ring. Um, but he would gladly tell you to come out of the ring. So if he needed to show you something, if you work, if something wasn't clicking that he was trying to get across to you or, or you weren't putting a guy in, in, in a move properly, he would pull you out to the ring and show you how to apply it sometimes in a shoot fashion. Um, and, and he's taught you, he taught a lot of those guys that he sent over to Japan, uh, bull and Matt Murphy and, um, superstar Steve Fender. And a lot of those guys that were his original group, of WLW guys, he, he basically like gave them everything Harley race had, um, Trevor Murdoch. Um, I always tell Trevor Murdoch and Matt Murphy, those are his first two students. Um, 
those guys have a lot of Harley race in them, um, you know, both personally and professionally. And to know that like those guys have all that knowledge that Harley passed on to them and their brain, it's just mind boggling that I'm even friends with them. Um, I, I keep in contact with, with both of them to this day. Um, but back to my training there, man, I loved it. You know, um, I, I learned so many new, uh, like, like, wrestling techniques, takedowns, um, shoot holds, um, how do you handle yourself if you ever get shot on? Um, that was a big thing that I took away from there. Cause I'm a guy, I'm a smaller guy, you know, um, you know, throughout my whole career, there's been, a, there's been a couple of people that have tried me or, or maybe tested me, uh, so to speak. But, um, you, you know, he, he really taught people how to take care of themselves as well as how to take care of others and do things the right way. Harley was a wealth of knowledge, um, and he, his legendary drinking stories are the things that I'll remember, man, because I got to follow Harley. He used to pull his ring trailer in a big suburban, and I got to follow Harley, man. Also dodged a lot of beers that fall as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, Harley, I, I, t- I told a story um, a few weeks ago when he passed that um, – he introduced me to one of the people um, that I, one person that I'd always wanted to meet, the only guy that ever took the championship off Muhammad Ali in the ring, and that's Leon Spinks. And, and I'll never forget that. Um, I cannot find my picture with Harley and BJ, my keepsake, but the one thing that I found very quickly was my picture with Leon Spinks, and that goes back to my grandfather. My grandfather, like, he died in, in early 2003, and, and and he was giddy that I got a picture with Leon Spinks. Man, that, that was a pretty cool moment when I came back and got the picture developed. Not took it with my phone. <laughs> I got the picture developed, and when I showed him that, you know, he, he was pretty proud of me at that point. Oh, that's um, so cool. So, you know, it, it wasn't just, you know, re- things that I remember – over the years in wrestling or, or up there at the race academy, man, a lot of that is outside of the ring, not necessarily inside of the ring. You know, I, I, I like to get personal with people. Um, you know, I, I'm a people person. I like to talk. Um, so I, I really like to get beyond wrestling. That's what we all do. So let's get beyond wrestling and figure out, you know, what, what, what a person's really about. So. That's the kind of memories I take away. And that's very cool because, you know, I and, and what I've been listening to for tributes to Harley that have uh, been been in podcasts I heard the last couple of weeks, uh, one of them came uh, from Les Thatcher, and it, uh, of course, Les and Harley go, go way back, way, way back in their wrestling careers. But, they, you know, it was the, one of the things that struck me, though, was, again, how he talked about not necessarily just Harley's in-ring stuff, but how, you know, he kind of, when he got out of the ring, he was a ge- how gentle he could be. And one example was how gentle him and his wife were towards uh, their dogs. It was just one of the things that was like, he was like the most, he treated them like they were babes in his arms and you wouldn't even think uh, from hearing all these stories of Harley the tough guy, the survivor, but to also see Harley the soft touch was also kind of another way to fully humanize the man. I want to say one more thing about Harley. Harley, Harley is the only wrestler that I know of that has ever parked himself on the king of rock and roll Elvis Presley's airplane TCB taking care of business Harley Race yes. is the only professional wrestler that I know that sat on that plane and had one-on-one time with Elvis Presley and that's pretty damn cool 
Yeah, there have been a lot of amazing Harley race stories. Um, I'm just going to share one of mine real quick, and it's not even kind of a, you know, it's basically about Harley sharing stories. And that was in 2012. I've been going to CAC since 2006. That's where I first met Harley. You know, shook hands with him every year. How you doing? Got a picture with him the first year I was there. But in 2012, I had come back, and it was right after, it was the year before that I had missed because my son was born. And I'd come back, and Harley heard me talking about, you know, my son and showing somebody a picture and, he asked me what the boy's name was, and I told him. And I said, yeah, I named him after Owen Hart. Harley goes, sit down. So I sat down. <laughs> Harley spent the next 30 minutes telling me Owen Hart stories that I can't share on the radio right now because they're not appropriate. Uh, I can right. say one involved Harley taking a stun gun, and he said I basically shoved it right up the crack of his ass. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, Owen would play tricks on Harley, and Harley would yep. go right back on yep. him. He goes, Owen yep. learned not to play pranks on me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. Uh, Harley told me a story one time about Owen, like like doing something to his chili during one of the barbecues. Yes, that's the one. And and, and when Har- Harley was just fired up, mad and red, he knew Owen did it as soon as he did it, as soon as he tasted it. And I'll never forget that story, man. That was just crazy. And that that's the kind of stuff that I I, I feel that I, I I I'm saddened by because I wish I'd come along and decade earlier you know I, I feel i was too late i would have loved to i think i would have been better off in that 70s 80s 90s era despite being small because you know they, again they they were tough they were rugged it wasn't as flashy as it is now man so uh, i loved hearing stories like that man and, and when i got to like give a few of those to my grandpa that you know he passed on oh man uh, you know i my grandpa thought it was pretty cool at that point pro wrestling is cool when i was telling him that <laughs> There you go. I heard the Harley story about the chili in detail and all that, yeah. and that's actually yeah. the one that ended up with the stun gun up his, yeah, because yep. Owen put hot sauce or chili paste or something chili extra, powder. you know, spice in there, chili powder, mm-hmm. a little something extra spicy in there, and yeah. Don't mess with Mr. Race's chili, I guess, is the lesson we learned from that one. <laughs> or I mean, we're definitely going to have, we're definitely going to have to bring you on for another episode, because yeah, we've only talked training so far. We haven't even gotten up to, you know, your time in the ring and where you worked. And, you know, you've just, like you said, you just made your comeback, came back uh, last year or the year before. Um, I came I back met in you August of 17. August of 17. I met you 2014. Uh, IHWE, it was their old school hustle at the Sendera Center. Jim Cornette was there. You actually were hosting the, uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony that we had did. That's when I first met you. So you were doing the announcing at that point in time, and I believe also working with uh, a group out of Oklahoma. You were a promoter, promoter or booker, correct? Um, and and that, that I'm wrestling for them tomorrow. Uh, it's wrestling for a cause, um, and they raise money for childhood cancer awareness. Yeah, I was doing the booking for them for quite a while, and uh, I was hosting the uh, Hall of Fame gigs that we were that um, uh, David Fuller was doing down there. I actually just I actually just watched the video of that. Uh, that Hall of Fame ceremony just the other day, and yes, you forgot to introduce Gorgeous Gary uh-huh. Young, another man we need to have as a guest on this show sometime. Oh yeah, yeah, G- Gary Young would sit there and talk to you for hours too. I love Gary. Gary is awesome, but every time I call him, he's always hosting a a barbecue competition, or he's flying to work another yep. freaking Chili's or whatever it is he does. Yep. And, he's a busy man. Know, definitely, definitely. But you know, let's talk about your comeback a little bit because that's what you know our listeners are gonna know more of due to all your your videos and you know your your adventures on the road uh and one part of that comeback is um well recently probably within the last year 
you've had a few chances to have a few matches with a uh, with man very well known in the wrestling world, uh, Joey Ryan. Uh-huh. Very very controversial character, uh, but I like to talk a little bit about that. You know, you know your comeback and the chance to get to work with Joey Ryan and kind of the man in the ring and out of the ring because I don't know. I don't think Joey Ryan is quite as controversial outside that he would be inside. Um, I love the character. There's a few things he does that I don't really think are great, but you know what? The fans pop for it and it sells tickets. And I guess right. in that day and age, this is what you want. But that's right. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your feud with Joey Ryan. Uh man, you know, really, um, it, <laughs> it it started as a uh, it started as a rib, and uh, and rib is another word for joke, um, and it uh, it kind of went on there, man. Some of the boys started making fun of me, and uh, it kind of caught on. And you know, again, in this day and age with social media, um, it's free advertising. Why not take advantage of that? And let me tell you, man, coming back into wrestling, I figured out very quickly it is about 25% in-ring now, and it's 75% the way you pr- pr- produce, present yourself online. And, and I figured that out very quickly. I watched what people did and didn't do, um, right and wrong. Um, and one of the guys that I noticed on the onset was Joey Ryan, man, because he just millions of views and he's still getting millions of views. Sustainable is getting millions of views over what, you know, going on like, you know, seven, eight years now, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, so I learned from that and, and I took from that and, and basically, uh, I do, I don't agree with, I'm like you, I don't agree with everything Joey Ryan does. Um, but most of what he does well, hell yeah, more power to him because, you know, he's out there making a living, a six-figure living, um, you know, on the indie scene. You know, it, it, he can't sign with anybody because they'd water him down no matter how much money they promised him. He just wouldn't be Joey Ryan anymore. He would lose his interest, and then they would fire him. Does that make sense? Um, yes, definitely. And, and so, so I got with Joey, man, and I just decided to take – Take the side that Cornette and a few others did. They were he's the worst thing that's happened to wrestling, and and nobody because there's a lot of people that I'm friends with that I haven't talked to in a while that you know may either like you know tell me I suck, I shouldn't have done that, um, you know something like that. And, and there's a lot of people, so I took that side. I took the side that I'm actually against because I have an open mind. Um, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm not just going to pass judgment on on the first time I see something. Um, because, you know, it may not work that time, you know, whereas it may work the next time you try it. But anyway, nonetheless. Um, so I saw Joey, man, and I was like, I've got to sink my teeth into that. And, and I just talked so much trash over, like, the summer of last year up until the summer of this year. And I really, like, dug into it. It's like I told him when we got together, bro, you don't have to do anything because I told the story for us. For the last year, that's what I did. And um, I know I can't get too descriptive with what I did, but um, unbeknownst to me, I got a, one sucker that was given to me by him. You know, I, I'm a little naive when it comes to social media and some pop culture, admittedly so. So I didn't realize that he had pulled said sucker out of his pants. And, and I just gladly took a lick and continued sucking on that thing. And, you know, I don't have a big sweet tooth, but when I did, I was like, Hey, cool. Yeah. I'm sucking on joy Ryan sucker. Um, and then, and then probably, uh, a Christmas time last year, I got smartened up that, um, that came from his pants. And when that happened, you know, that's when it was on. 
Uh, it was a full-scale Joey. It's on. I'm coming after you. You deceived me. How dare you? I thought we were friends. And that was the whole storyline of that. And, and somebody asked me, a good friend of mine asked me the other day, who has nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever, was it all worth it? And I said, yeah, um, because it got more eyes on me, um, on my social media, more people add me. I can't tell you last time, unless it's a personal friend or, or maybe a wrestling brother, um, that I've added somebody on social media um, or gone out of my way to, like, search for somebody. Um, you know, so... You know, it was just a constant influx of, well, now I've got eyeballs on me. Now I've got to do something with it. And, and once all that started happening, then it kind of transitioned into a little bit of Bucky's and things of that nature. But you, you also made a comment real quick um, that, about Joey not being as controversial outside of the ring. Um, he's one of those that I brought up that perhaps should do a seminar for this wrestling company up there. Maybe he can teach their young guys something. And he turned it down because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give him a situation where he doesn't practice what he preaches. Um, you know, where, where he can teach them how to be good technical professional wrestlers, but he's going to go out there and do the exact opposite in his match. So I can relate, but you know, after wrestling Joey, I learned my lesson. Um, and that, uh, flip that he does. Yeah, that, that's a real thing. It's, it's, there's something magical about the, uh, <clears throat> nether regions of Joey Ryan. And I'll leave it at that unless you want to talk about something else. <laughs> Glenn, uh, right. once again, get the editing butt out, button out there right, for right. us tomorrow. Cause I'm right. not sure if, uh, you know, sucking on Joey Ryan sucker is really appropriate for the church crowd, but you Fair know enough. what? I bring the great guests. So. <laughs> you we're, we're you asked, and I told you asked how how the situation was and how it came out, and I told you. That's what you get. There for you asking, go, Mike. You're fired. There you go. I'm the new host. I'm the I'll, new co-host. You're done, Mike. You're the new. I'm done. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yep. All right. You're if done. I get you some cheese balls, can I have my job back? Absolutely. All right. Cool. Little inside joke there. Um, the great thing about this whole feud you had and the whole thing you had going on with Joey Ryan is that. As you said, most of it was on social media. You know, it wasn't match after match after match after match after match, which is how you would have to tell a story and, you know, and play out a feud in the older in the old days. But now with social media, you play out the whole thing online, and then when they finally get that, oh, they're going to meet in the ring, you can sell hundreds of tickets just off of what somebody saw on their computer or on their phone yep. or their tablet or wherever else, and it sells tickets. Which just yep. goes to show you just the amazing power of social media and professional wrestling right now, which you probably and, didn't and have the, that much of when you first started. Right. And the craziest thing, man, the damnedest thing is, is I can sell a T-shirt now to somebody 500 miles away. I don't even have to be there. To me, that's pretty cool. You know, uh, you know, it, normally people would come up to shows, but now you don't have to, man. People hear about you from north, south, east, and west, and they send you messages, encouragement, or you suck, or, you know, whatever, um, and that lets you know that you're doing something right, man, so, you know, I, I, I told somebody the other day, and I'll, I'll fill you in on something here, man, I, uh, I'm, I, I kind of, after, after a match that I had a few weeks ago with a guy by the name of Stephen Kirby, um, I, I kind of changed my outlook on a few things as far as in-ring, uh, presentation goes and and I really thought for a hot second 
about changing what I'm doing, my look, everything. And, uh, and I got, I brought back down to reality pretty quick and I was told, no, keep doing what you're doing. Um, so, you know, there you go. I, I, somebody that I respect, uh, you know, they said, no, don't, don't you dare stop doing that. Just keep doing what you're doing. So here you go. That's the best way. You know, and you're talking about how you're selling a t-shirt 500 miles away. That's one of the great things with, you know, the show Glenn and I are doing the show right now. It's in Minnesota. It's a radio station in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. A lot of people may not know where. I don't know where that's at. You know, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. You know, we're both doing this show. But we can be heard worldwide because of streaming live at RadioNorthland.org. I'll throw in the plug. You can also get the TuneIn Radio app or you can download the archives. We can be heard worldwide, which gives us a massive audience, which in turn allows guys like you to come on to tell your story to people who – you know, they may not know who you are or have heard your story because they don't live in Texas or Oklahoma or Louisville or or wherever, whatever indie groups there are. So social media, the Internet and all that, it allowed indie guys to become bigger stars in a way because people can see their stuff online. And then promoters like, you know, 2,000 miles away might go, hey, this guy's kind of hot on online right now. I'm going to fly him in and see what we get out of it. So guys that – back in the old indie days used to only be able to work these certain territories can now pretty much work anywhere in the U S all because of, you know, social media and the internet, which is a whole new, you know, option of professional wrestling. And it also allows guys to, you know, click on the WWE network or high spots or Jarrett Parsons TV and learn by watching the guys back in the seventies and doing what they're doing. who didn't have obviously, you know, this option available to them. You just nailed down everything that is good with professional wrestling today. We could wow. probably equally spend an hour with what is bad. That you just pretty much locked down how social media done the right way helps, you know, guys that are trying to make it. A lot, a, a lot, it's a lot, I don't want to say it's a lot easier now to make it than it, than it once was, but you definitely have way more avenues to express yourself and get your name out there pretty cool time all right well dexter once again man loved having you on i'm definitely going to be in touch with you again we're going to get you back on in the next month or two to come on because there are so many stories i've been in a locker room with you and i know that you've got plenty of stories you can tell so i'm definitely extending the invitation to bring you back but i'm going to hand the mic back over to glenn because i know our timekeeper is kind of she's got the hammer in her hand and she's waiting to ring the bell because we're about ready to wrap up this week's edition all right thank you guys uh yeah, this has been fun just sitting back and listening uh to dexter uh, uh, chat and, and man you know you talked to again uh, next time i'm gonna have to uh i just discovered at my my folks house uh, an old pile of pro wrestling illustrated weekly news newsletters oh, wow. that from the early 90s so oh, so I might have to bring those out here. I'm going to save those for the next time we, we get together just to go into those because nobody talks about those much anymore. I mean, we talk about the magazines and stuff, uh, the Weston magazines, but the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Weekly was kind of uh, maybe made about a year, year or two before it kind of faded away. Nobody talks about it. So I think yeah, I had forgotten about it, actually. Hey, you know what? It, it, anything that has to do with wrestling's history, somebody always said, that used to say about me that you'll never learn anything new from me. And that, and that's right, dude, I'm stuck in, you know, in, in my younger generation. So, um, I, I would love to see stuff like that. I think that stuff's pretty cool. And then Mike's going to hold me to this commitment too. So when we get together again, okay. uh, we're going to have yes, those here. 
Well, thank you, guys. And uh, it's time thank for us you. to... Yeah, yeah, it was great to have you on. Uh, and again, it's time to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. For uh, Dexter Hardaway and the Grizzled Vet Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now.